0: Welcome to The Local Authority, the podcast by LGC and FutureGov. Join us each month as we bring together leading figures from within and around local government to discuss the sector's future. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button to have the latest episode delivered to your device each month and share this podcast with your colleagues. You can do so by going to lgcplus.com forward slash podcast.
1: Welcome to the Local Authority. This is the new podcast from Local Government Chronicle and FutureGov. I'm Nick Golding. I'm the LGC editor. Each month, we'll bring together some of the biggest names in and around local government to discuss some of the biggest issues facing local governments. Our discussions will have a theme of change: how councils can change their local areas for the better, how councils can change their supports for their local population for the better. how councils can themselves adapt for the better. Thank you to FutureGov for their sponsorship. In our first episode we're looking at meetings which of course underwent a dramatic and unprecedented change a year ago. Overnight the pandemic ended physical meetings and the business of local decision making suddenly went online. Teams and Zoom suddenly became linchpins of local accountability and democracy. Then almost as suddenly We were told this way of doing things had to stop. The government ended the emergency provisions that allowed councils to stage remote meetings and told councils to meet in person. And the High Courts confirmed that existing legislation prohibits remote meetings. Councils are therefore currently struggling to ensure decision-making can be both democratic and socially distanced. However, this might not be the end of the matter. The government has launched a call for evidence asking councils their experiences of remote meetings. This could potentially herald change. So today we'll be looking at the future and asking how meetings could evolve, whether some sort of hybrid digital and physical system might best serve local democracy and accountability in future. Now, we've got a great panel for today's episode. We're really, really delighted for all of you for attending today. We've got the personal embodiments for how to run a remote digital meeting. That's Jackie Weaver, the chief officer of the Cheshire Association of Local Councils. We've got a chief executive who has grappled with all the past years had to throw at local government. That's Alison Mackenzie Folan, the chief executive of Wigan Council and she's also the Solace spokesperson on digital leadership and we've got a tech expert who may be able to suggest how digital will evolve. That's Matt Skinner, chief executive of FutureGov. So Alison in Wigan, I just want to start with you first and a year ago, it would be barely imaginable how councils have adapted to, to digital. H- how has the past year gone for you in Wigan?
2: Oh, hi, Nick. Well, I think we've we've all made the impossible possible, haven't we? And it's gone surprisingly well and really positive. I mean, the ability to hold virtual meetings has been hugely beneficial to the council, to councillors and the public. And I think this way of working has really positively benefited local democracy in so many ways, as well as bringing really wider environmental, financial and efficiency benefits, which, of course, we all want to retain. So um, I think overall, I'd say it's gone really, really positive, Nick.
1: And has anything been missing due to the fact you haven't been actually meeting in person?
2: I mean, we all obviously miss that human contact, but I think people have really adapted well. I mean, our democratic services team in Wigan uh, really rose to the challenge. They've been really improving processes to make sure that we can engage our communities and of course Jackie has done so much to progress the importance of democracy and the reasonable debate from her experience so there's been so many benefits we've opened up the town hall online and Different people have had different insight to what we do. The public, the press have been able to view and listen to meetings. Some who previously would have found it really, really difficult. And actually our councillors themselves, many of them work. They have and responsibilities and other responsibilities. And attendance has shot up at meetings. And I think what we've seen is that actually with some help, with a bit of a digital buddy alongside them, so our staff have been a digital buddy where people have had difficulties And we've also had TechMate programmes online for people who maybe, um, you know, have not had as much experience in the digital world. So we've tried to put support in place. But I think what we've seen is actually um, a combination of having both these remote meetings and possibly hybrid meetings in the future is really essential to promoting widespread engagement in the democratic process, Nick.
1: I'm I'm quite intrigued what you say about opening up the, the town hall Online What does that actually constitute and how do you interact with your population this way?
2: Well, I think essentially you're you're in limited in numbers, aren't you? I mean, we've got a beautiful chamber in Wigan Town Hall and Lee Town Hall, but the numbers are limited. But, you know, with Microsoft Teams and opening up your digital online services you literally can have the, the whole world watching your your democratic meetings. And it, it really does open up that debate and it opens up what goes on in our democratic processes. So I think it makes us much more open as a society. So for me, I think it is literally opening up perhaps a world that people didn't come to, you know, on a wet winter's evening, perhaps to a, a full council meeting. They can now, they can just pop in, jump online and, and watch what happens and uh, get involved in that debate and that scrutiny process. So there's been so many benefits, Nick.
1: And what evidences are there that people have actually been engaging in the way you're talking about?
2: In terms of the people who've been coming along, yes. we've had lots of feedback, we've had people writing in after they've been to a meeting. Councillors have told us they've had higher levels of engagement from their ward and their communities. You know, you know, as I say, we've seen increased attendance And We've taken the conversation wider to actually say, well, we can use a lot of the techniques that we've been using for our digital meetings out to do much more resident engagement as well. And I think what we've seen uh, is just higher attendance, people actively getting involved, the chat function, everything becomes much more interactive. And actually, there's some scrutiny as well for, you know, issues that we're taking through that have got big political or, or, or policy imperatives. So. We've just seen it from the engagement and people coming back round uh, that feedback loop, Nick.
1: So um, since the 7th of May, councils have had to meet physically again. It's been quite difficult for lots of councils finding the right premises where you can meet safely, ensuring social distancing, although some councils have found what might be considered loopholes um, whereby they might have a virtual meeting, which in effect informs a, a, a physical meeting afterwards. I mean, what? What's, what's you doing in Wigan? How, how difficult has it been?
2: Well, our chamber's not big enough, so we've got to hire the EDGE, which is a, a very large conference facility at extra expense. We've had to have officers down there putting extra facilities in place and obviously extra COVID secure arrangements. So obviously there's a lot of time, much more effort in place and much more expense and it will mean that obviously some councillors perhaps won't be able to attend when they would have been able to attend digitally. So I think what we're needing is the ability to choose. We want choice and our councillors want choice. That's what they've said to us, whether a meeting should be held remotely or through a hybrid approach or even physically. And with those three options, what you'll get is much a much better attendance and a much better, you know, wider benefits that we've seen. And I think, you know, of course, you know, there will be face-to-face meetings, But other meetings such as Scrutiny have been much better and worked much better remotely. So we've not done ours, Nick. It's next week. I'll let you know how it goes. But we're we're hiring a big facility just to get us all in to make sure that we can be uh, distanced and have the right COVID secure measures in place. So watch this space. Unfortunately, you won't be able to watch it because it won't be online. So, yes. Yes. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes.
1: Thank you, Alison. Um, Jackie, can I bring you in now, please? Um, I, I, I feel I'm very familiar with you. You're synonymous with the digital meeting. C- could you explain a bit more about your role in in Cheshire and just explain? I mean, I, I find it quite hard to imagine you in the physical meeting environment. But can can you can you sort of explain what your role has been, not just in recent times, but but prior to that as well?
3: Hello, Nick. Yes, um, contrary to popular opinion, I do actually possess a pair of legs (laughs) and have been known to use them. Um, My day job, as you introduced me, was Cheshire Association of Local Council's Chief Officer. And I deliver training, give advice, um, support and often act as a conduit between the principal authority and the town and parish councils in Cheshire. A lot of our work was done face-to-face, so all of our training would have been done face-to-face. The meetings with principal authorities, etc., would have been done face-to-face. Apart from that, it would really only have been telephone calls and emails would be the only kind of electronic communication that we um, we had with, uh, with our members. But COVID changed all of that. I mean, I think for a while we'd recognised that actually... I think it was um, particularly around training we felt that we should I hate that word should we should be offering some virtual training because well, there was a demand for it basically but it did seem very complicated and we did what we normally do with things that we think are complicated we just pushed it into the long grass and decided we'd get around to it sometime but within three months of lockdown we had an effective training program for new and existing counsellors and clerks and Nothing that we have done previously compares to the take-up of training virtually. I mean, it's it, it, we're able to offer it at a much reduced price, and I know that that then has a knock-on effect because all the venues we would have used, of course, aren't getting money from us, and that'll be the same for many other um, venues as well. But it made it so accessible. It means that people, you know, at the end of a busy day are literally giving up an hour and a half which they can do with a cup of tea or any other beverage if they wish rather than having to then go out again to a village hall or a community centre you know to to receive some form of, of training so it's been very that's part of Covid has been extremely positive for
1: us. Brilliant so what does this training constitute?
3: There's no formal requirement for any clerk or any counsellor to be trained I mean, periodically we try to encourage um, the government to make some form of mandatory training, particularly around the Code of Conduct, with no success whatsoever. So we we basically um, demonstrate, um, particularly to councillors, because they're they're our biggest audience, if you will, how you manage a, a town or parish council, what you can do, what you can't do, who the players are, how you engage with your community, what are the important rules and regulations that we can't afford to to miss, etc.? And then every time, of course, there is change, we then have to very often deliver a training session explaining what the the latest change is. I think the um, the least fun one we've had in uh, recent years, which even I have struggled to make palatable, was a data protection.
1: <laughs> I can certainly believe that. So, what's your rules on the sort of the pros? and cons of physical versus virtual meetings?
3: Well, it's quite interesting. I mean, you know, if you'd asked us, and by us, I mean, you know, myself and many other town and parish councils and councillors, you know, how they felt about um, virtual meetings back in February, March last year, you would have got a very different answer than you get now. Back then, it all seemed horribly complicated, too much, you know, the infrastructure was, was going to be too complicated. I mean any number of excuses um, for just how it was too complicated. But the reality was it wasn't complicated at all. The, the platforms, and I know, you know Zoom is one of them, there are many others, um, meant that it was, you know, even for someone who had had limited experience of, of interacting in this way, could easily navigate their way around it. And having got your first Zoom meeting under your under your belt... Well, after a while, it it just became, you know, second nature to do them. And then we began to see the really positive outcomes from them. And I know that Alison has um, iterated many of them already, and and they they are equally valid for, for town and parish councils. It meant that councillors who were shielding, for example, could still participate in meetings. We have lots of parish councils that have a very spread out geography, so you know we're looking at not having to you know go out of an evening etc to get yourself halfway across the county to your um, your village hall, and we were recording nationally a greater increase in attendance by members of the public, um, virtual attendance by members of the public. I think we had a thirty three percent increase. So people were beginning to say, "Hang on, what are these councils about?" and let's have a look. And it is far less intimidating to look on a screen than it is to kind of walk into a village hall or a town hall for that first time. Because no matter how welcoming the councillors are, it is still quite an intimidating environment to walk into for the first time.
1: Well, that's really interesting. So 33% more people have, have attended. They've got to appreciate local democracy. Yes. I mean, has it yeah. Has it felt like as if grassroots democracy is being invigorated and that's something that you're you're feeling as you as you participate yourself
3: i think there's two things there nick i mean first of all i i, I kind of feel horrified at the lack of knowledge that's out there um say i've been around doing this kind of work for 25 years so you know you get to a point where you think everybody knows everything you're going to say so in a way you stop saying it so when journalists are saying, oh, well, tell me a bit more about these parish councils, I'm thinking, why on earth do you not know what a parish council is? You're a journalist. Didn't you start there? So it, it's really frightening that so few people had known about them. But my sense is that, you know, whether it was morbid curiosity in the first instance or genuine interest in, in democracy, people have started to look to see what is it What is my local council and how do I influence it? And I think that's the thing that I I try very hard to get across, is I think people feel somewhat disenchanted with national politics. I think there is a sense that we can't change national politics and we certainly can't change the world, so why bother doing anything? And I suppose I'm more of a pragmatist than that. And I say, well, okay, I can't deal with those things. I have no influence over those, but we sure as heck have influence over our local councils use that influence
1: and you've been very active in getting the message across mm. most notably lately at the start of the the wars, which is <laughs> sort of pretty much unprecedented territory for, for for local government. so congratulations on that but did you do you see yourself as a crusader for for democracy is it and is the remote meeting and this this new way of doing things is that a is that a key part of the what is required to, to open it up?
3: Um, do I see myself as a, a campaigner? I, I mean, yes, I guess I do. But but I don't think it's because I have anything special to say. I, I think what I bring to the party is that actually for, for the moment, I have a name that means that people stop for a moment to listen. And I guess that that's all you can hope for when it comes to advertising. Just stop for a moment and listen. And if it gets that word out there about local councils, then, you know, job done. I'm really happy with that.
1: Can I turn to you now, Matt, please? So I, I think I mentioned before, perhaps a year ago, we wouldn't have expected that councils would have adapted so well and digitised their, their meetings in the way that they have. I mean, did you, would you have thought local government had it in them to, to actually bring this about prior to the pandemic?
4: Thanks, Nick, and yeah, and thanks for thanks for having me on. Uh, like, really good to be in such good company uh, for this really exciting conversation. I think I've probably been personally surprised. I I was very hopeful that I think the switch to uh, to using these kind of technologies would would happen, but I think just that. Like the pace of the pace of that has probably taken me by surprise. I think at FutureGov we're very used to using a whole range of tools uh, already, like you know Microsoft Teams, obviously Slack. Like we're you know we're very familiar with those tools, but I think we've been really consciously trying to help uh, facilitate uh, sort of councils to have different types of conversations using technology like that for a number of years. And there's been some hesitancy, but yeah, yeah, I I think actually once people have kind of got over that initial kind of confidence hurdle actually, and given it a go, they've really seen some of those huge benefits. Like, and as, you know, as, as Jack and Alison were talking there, I think the levels of transparency that uh, using these tools are provided and actually the opportunity to have conversations in really different ways with local people not just in council meetings but I think in you know we've been doing things like climate assemblies recently using these kind of technologies and engaging like a whole range of different audiences to have like really different insightful conversations that you wouldn't otherwise have had before have kind of built even greater confidence in them so yeah I think i'm not i'm I'm not surprised where we are now in that absolutely like we don't want to go back and I, I think the use of these technologies have have proven that you can, yeah, that you can really uh, open up democracy in, in ways that we haven't seen before, I think. But yeah, I was probably a little bit surprised uh, to begin with. Now, I, yeah, now I'm hugely advocating not to go backwards. So
1: we've talked about what councils are doing well, but what are, are the things that you see councils doing or not doing, which means that they, they're not taking full advantage of this and perhaps the way that they could do?
4: Yeah, well, I think some of the really interesting things I've seen actually are where councils are trying to experiment with these technologies in even different ways and just kind of recording, like they put the public meetings. So, I mean, I think I saw it was at the height of uh, sort of uh, the first wave of COVID, uh, there was Taldale Parish Council, I think, in Tosa stuff, for example, who were using virtual reality headsets to allow some of their isolating counsellors to attend meetings. And I think actually like there's a real, there's a really interesting thing about how even like newer types of technology, like VR, like uh, we've been using and experimenting with tools like a virtual kind of meeting uh, notes recording uh, technology, which I don't think we're even seeing or talking about yet uh, in local government. But I think there's a huge application for the, the kinds of tools that go beyond just the kind of recording and the video conferencing where you could imagine, uh, an even deeper level of engagement actually from from local people so I'm thinking about um I mean saw this a little bit actually I think there was an example that South Oxfordshire were using a kind of virtual uh, meeting to kind of examine their local plan and I think it I read it was watched by over about 800 people but how you kind of truly engage in more tangible ways using different types of technology I think is something that we haven't really seen yet but I I, I hope to see more of I think in the future
1: you You mentioned citizens' assemblies there that they potentially offer some of the answer with regards to climate change and some of the local actions that need to be taken, and how do you make them sort of palatable for the broad lo- local population so how can technology help bring this about and is this almost a sort of return to a sort of to more direct democracy and an al- almost ancient Athens vision for democracy with the whole with the whole population getting involved
4: mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I can hope. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that I mean already, like the technology has existed for quite a while. I mean, I think there's a, you know there's huge active communities on you know platforms like Twitter on social media around like really sort of hyper local topics and and conversations. I, I don't think this is new. I think the application of this at such a level is obviously that is the is the opportunity now to kind of have much bigger, broader conversations about and influence. I think like our our local democracy. And I don't think that consensus, like consensus politics in the way that they did in Athens around every single issue is is probably the right medium for technology. There's definitely a hybrid, I think, that like is needed. I think some conversations probably better still in person and some different types of meetings better in person. But I, I absolutely do believe that the application of, you know, things like greater use of things like video like, conferencing in the future, like the VR that I mentioned earlier, like social media to kind of uh, like raise awareness, I think, around these issues and to kind of engage completely different communities that you wouldn't necessarily have, have been able to reach just by having in-person meetings is here to stay. Yeah, and I'm pretty excited about that.
1: And how do you think technology will move on in the coming years in a way which could make an even greater level of engagement and you know, more, more seamless
4: council meetings online? I think these kind of tools that we're using are like they're here to stay. I think they're going to get better and better. I think one of the challenges probably for I mean certainly for for us in working with lots of different local authorities over the you know the course of the last year is that there are often lots of differences between the different technologies and that they're not always working and they're not always as joined up as possibly they could be. Um I think that companies who are creating these kind of technologies are improving them all the time and I think the joining up of those those technologies to to enable even more people to, to to participate in using them, I think is is definitely going to happen. Um, I do really think there's some exciting things. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier like AI tools for virtual meeting notes, which I think could create even more efficiencies that are just emerging. And and actually, I think that you know there's some really exciting things that if you you know, imagine further into the future, where we've got whole heaps more information and data from from kind of virtual meetings online, the kind of applications of tools on top of those you could use to kind of draw out further insights or to reference in relation to new policy development and things like the information is much more accessible if it's online as well and if it's in those kind of formats. So, yeah, I can imagine that as technology advances around this, there'll be much more kind of application use of some of the information and data that we're, you know, we're, we're, we're producing at the moment. So thank you for that,
1: Matt. Um, I'm keen to sort of brought it out into more of a, a conversation now, and I just wondered, Are we all of a cons- consensus that this technology needs to stay, and it needs to be, it needs to be legally possible for councils to use it again, ASAP? Do you, do you want to take that at first, Alison?
2: Yeah, I'm happy to take that first. I think you know, as we've said earlier, we'd, I think there's definitely a, a groundswell of opinion and a, a real consensus across all, uh, everybody that working in this way is is so supportive and we really want it to continue so as I said earlier we, re- we want that choice whether we run a digital meeting a hybrid meeting or a face-to-face meeting and local authorities and you know at local levels we need the ability to choose and we recognise that some larger meetings of course will be face-to-face but we want to have that choice and we can see the benefits from it so yes definitely.
1: Can I just probe that a little bit so what what's is your instincts that is works best for a face to face meeting and what works best virtually what what are the sort of factors that you need to you need to think about
2: um I think it depends on what's on the agenda some of the time. I think it depends on what the meeting is, so some of the scrutiny meetings have been so well attended you know those meetings there's no reason why we can't continue with those virtually. maybe some of the the annual council meetings where it's mayor making you'd want to to do that in the council chamber. To bring people together on that sort of annual basis So i think it's running through as you would expect the calendar of events and calendar of meetings and sort of working through what what you know what you think would work best so you know i think that's something that we all need to think through but certainly we've seen higher attendance and i would say scrutiny meetings some of our committee meetings even some of our planning committees have worked so great on microsoft teams and digital technology so I think you know they're the ones that we'd be looking to try and have some choice over, and you know the set pieces maybe as I say mayor making you'd you'd probably want to bring people back into uh into the chamber or into an official an official meeting.
1: Jackie, is that is that your sense of the sort of things that should be both physical and those that should be virtual?
3: I think Nick, first of all, it's just really to support the point that we should have choice. I mean that that's that's essential. In terms of what should be physical, what should be virtual, I think the only thing I'd add to um, Alison's comments is anything around personnel, people management, that kind of thing. I think that's better done in a face-to-face environment, you know, when you're really looking at those, um, um, I think we call them soft skills, that you want to um, to introduce. It's very hard to introduce empathy over a screen.
1: And Cheshire, it's quite a lot of it is a fairly rural area and a county is split in two in in principal authority terms but is there a danger that larger places might eventually decide well it'd be far better to do the vast majority of things virtually because the geography is too great and would something be missing if that path was taken
3: i think it's back to choice nick i mean i think the other thing that we haven't mentioned is, is it's not just about the computer and the equipment that we've got it's also about connectivity and unfortunately, although we boast I think it's it's about ninety eight percent broadband outreach in Cheshire, unfortunately the the last remaining two or three percent are rural communities. the numbers are very low and the impact is very high so you know we, we need to make sure that you know the platform is accessible to all and it's also about recognizing that people do need physical well, physical contact social contact. Um, and I think the most terrifying thing that I heard um, on the um, telly, which is where I get all my news from, was that somebody had said, that you know, um, bye, um Alexa, for your granny, because at least then she's got someone to talk to. Really? <laughs> OK, <laughs> that's a worry. Really, Alexa does not take the place of someone to talk to.
1: Um, Matt, can I turn to you? And I'm, I, I would assume it's a foregone conclusion that you're in favor of virtual meetings continuing but are you supporter of hybrid meetings where it's both virtual and physical at the same time or can they be a little bit confusing for everyone involved
4: yeah I I mean you're right foregone conclusion that I think they should be here to stay but uh, yeah I mean like I I said earlier I think that you know, different meetings, different types of meetings require different types of engagement, and I think virtual and hybrid meetings are also going to be important. I think I think there's a really interesting thing that that probably Jackie could speak to a little bit as well, but uh, around the the need for different types of facilitation in those kind of hybrid meetings, which I think is going to take some time for us to to kind of figure out. I mean, like even as um, a Future Governors, you know, we've got people returning into the office, and we're we're grappling with the kind of hybrid meetings now of some people in the office, some people at home and it does require like really good facilitation it requires people to engage like uh, you know participants in different ways to have proper agendas and things in, in ways that maybe you could have got away with if you were fully in person like with a slightly less sort of deliberate approach but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I think we're, we're going to have to get used to hybrid. I think, like, the virtual supplement on top of those meetings is super, super important and should be going forwards. But I think for me, yeah, there's a real thing in the kind of new skills that might be needed and, and and need to be learned quite quickly, I think, by by people facilitating those kind of meetings that we're probably not yet seeing or we're experimenting with and starting to, starting to feel the effects of.
1: Jackie, do you want to take on that point about how you would possibly chair a hybrid meeting?
4: Yeah,
3: I I mean we also run courses in chairmanship not because I'm advertising them but really just to stress the point that actually chairmanship itself is a skill and not everybody has it and I, I always think it's a shame when when we elect a chairman just because it's their turn rather than because it's the right person to to actually chair and there are definitely there are definitely other skills to have to be learned in order to effectively chair a, a zoom meeting or team meeting or anything else i mean not least of which is the timing you know because i mean there's there's nothing seem you know nothing worse than as you're cut because we haven't done it today because you're chairing it so well nick um but you know there's nothing worse than us constantly cutting each other off with four starts and things like that it doesn't create a very professional feel and the way to do that is picking up matt's point is to formalize a little so, you know, I think we feel a little uncomfortable about saying to everyone, I am going to mute you all. Well, why? I mean, we can't all talk at once. It's just going to be a mess. And although you can you find your strategies for dealing with that in a face-to-face meeting, you have to develop new strategies for dealing with it, which may be using the technology if you're going to have a virtual meeting.
1: So, so what would you say the attributes for a strong chair, presumably both virtually and physically, are...
3: I think start off by being well briefed. I, I mean you you can't you can't turn up to chair a meeting and not know what the meeting is about. And if you if you're turning up to chair a meeting and you don't know what the outcomes are, I would challenge whether or not you actually needed to have that meeting in the first place. And I think we've got kinda used to the idea of a monthly meeting and I'm sure we'll all have heard it. We haven't got much on the agenda this week. So why are we having this meeting? <laughs> oh, we'll find something to talk about as time goes on, I'm sure. Yeah, none of us had anything better to do. So it's about that planning and making sure that you are then able to literally drive through each of those agenda items moving forward and keeping pace. I think that's the other thing. I mean, you know, it, it's we're so polite. You know, we, we don't like to cut people off. Even when they start the, the sentence with, I know it's all been said already, but, yeah, so that's the point to cut us off, you know, because we said it's all been said already, moving on, that somebody else got another point, you know, so it, it's that kind of, it's the way you do it, but you do need to be quite firm in order to be a good chairman, I think.
1: Well, What's, what's your strategy to chair meetings, Alison?
2: Well, um, not, not as great as Jackie's, but we're, we're, tr- we're trying to achieve that. We've been doing quite a lot of work on reimagining how we work with our managers and talking about sort of the culture and, you know, the value of people and sort of thinking through what it means to to work in this hybrid way. And I think the hints and tips that Jackie have just said, you know, wouldn't go far wrong. So for me, definitely about having a clear goal. What, what's the purpose of the meeting? Make sure everybody's got the materials beforehand and the papers. I think one of the, the real things that we're looking at and picking up on what Matt said is sharing that in-room experience. So we're testing some new tech where it homes in on the person that's speaking, that you're in a special room if you're actually in the office that picks up the voice of the person that's speaking and, and the uh, the camera zooms in on them. So it gets that sort of in-room experience for everybody. I think, as Jackie said, the person who's chairing the meeting really has to advocate for, I suppose, the remote voices, so the ones who may be working from home or a a coffee shop or their car, so that they're definitely, you know, that they're feeling part of the meeting. And it's that sort of um, empower and encourage and collaborate, isn't it, to get get people all involved, you know, that a chair really does. I think visuals often really unify people. So if you're all looking at some visuals in a meeting, it gets you onto the visual, doesn't it? And you might be looking at, um, I don't know, some stats or some data or, uh, you know, a particular presentation. I think that really helps. And I think we've got to consider accessibility, haven't we? We we live in a world where we need to consider people's accessibility needs. And I think for me, listening to what you've all said, I think what we want is the best of both worlds, isn't it? And we can get that. We can try and move towards the best of both worlds. And what we've not got to do is sort of, Give up, I think, because if we give up, we'll sort of you know easily you know go back to one way or the other, and I think we need to really push hard on trying to get this blended and hybrid approach to
1: work Matt, can I ask you i mean are there any pitfalls that you think people need to avoid when when chairing or participating in, in these type of meetings
4: um, I'm not sure about pitfalls i mean I think one of the things is. That's probably like more apparent potentially in a virtual meeting is that like people can often kind of be be silent and be potentially kind of disappear I guess when they're just a kind of a tile on a on on a device screen uh, and I think as a as a host you've got to kind of really work to make sure that people are included I think in in the meetings and that you kind of bring people in on particular points and I, like I, I, again to the point I was making about facilitation I think that requires quite a a kind of different mindset from from the chair actually often and like, I, and I think also that the point that uh, Alison was making there around diversity like we've been experimenting with interpreters for people who need those kind of services on some of our on our recent videos and I think that you know particularly as we continue to use these kind of tools if we're going to increase that democratic accountability like making sure that we're proactively thinking about how to reach those kind of audiences and build in those services is going to be more and more important but but yeah I think it's just for me, there's a, a lot in the kind of mindset of the chair, I think, that uh, is probably slightly different from being in like in person. And it is being mindful that you've got to actively kind of bring people in and uh, and facilitate that kind of conversation particularly in those hybrid settings and um, because I think the te- the tendency would be otherwise to kind of leave people online potentially uh to, to be quite I mean I think that also I mean, just thinking of recent situation like when you've got sort of people in a kind of physical environment and online I think there's a tendency often for people who are in the kind of physical space to start side conversations uh just because we're humans and I think that feels normal but often that again can feel quite exclusionary to people who are who are then sort of on line so again like some some hard kind of chairing skills needed to kind of make sure that that inclusivity is there I think.
1: Can, can I just turn to the behaviour of participants not, not our participants today but um, our participants in in both virtual and physical meetings overall now Jackie you've you've obviously been on the receiving end of some fairly aggressive putting it mildly bit behaviour um, is that something that you have encountered repeatedly in your career? And is this something which is as much of a factor in physical or is, is this purely a, a, a virtual meeting behaviour?
3: I mean, I think that the behaviour that we saw um, on the viral video was exceptional. I, I mean, I, I think um, most of us who are involved in, in local democracy in, in some way or another are used to um, heated debate. You know, you, you can't be a complete snowflake um, you know you do have to have a, a little bit of robustness um, there but that was way beyond that and I, I certainly hadn't experienced anything like that before and given the um, personalities that were involved I believe that would have happened at a, uh, a physical meeting just as it happened that um, that night um, so I don't think it, it makes any difference there but I, I think there's all sorts of behaviours that, that that kind of I don't know, I, I suppose it's because we, we feel safe in our own, um, in our own living rooms. I, I suppose it's that kind of, um, you know, behaviour that you see at um, car traffic, uh, traffic lights when you look across and see what the person in the car next to you is doing. And it's often very unpleasant. So I think the worst ones for me are, are people who don't mute and have, you have all the background noise. And if you're in the middle of a presentation and it starts, it does not throw you. Um, or, or just eating. I mean have 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 you heard a bag of crisps being eaten <laughs> over a microphone it's terrifying so we do all these kind of things I, I, another one you know somebody actually sitting at the dinner table eating I think it was spaghetti while on a zook. really you wouldn't I mean, you wouldn't go to a council meeting and unpack your butties and <laughs> sit there of an evening eating your sandwiches. So you know why is it acceptable to do it in a in a you know business meeting that's um taking place over Zoom? So I think there is something going back to the points that uh, Matt made earlier um, about actually spelling out the protocols. You know, I mean, it, it, you might not have had to say um, you know about council meetings don't bring your dinner, but perhaps for a Zoom council meeting.
1: You do, Alison. Can I ask you about behaviour? I mean, has has there been that sort of behaviour seen in Wigan meetings over the course of the pandemic?
2: If I'm honest, Nick, it's been really, really positive. So, as Jackie said, I think what 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 Jackie had to uh, to manage and be put through was was extreme I mean we 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 have seen extreme face-to-face behaviour in the past so whether whether digital behaviour has, has calmed things down but it, it has been really really positive so our experience has been um, you know everyone has behaved and certainly we do put as Jackie said at the uh, as we start meetings we sort of put up a I wouldn't class it as a code of conduct but a sort of a hints and tips to make sure this meeting runs successfully so be kind to each other don't interrupt each other You know, be careful what's in the chat function, you know, let other people speak, don't speak over them. So we put a little bit of a protocol up just to remind people as they come in. And certainly with meetings with counsellors, we do exactly the same. And, you know, we read out a little script as a reminder just to say, you know, these are the protocols of the meeting. This is how, you know, we're all accountable. This is how we all behave when we're on this meeting. And, you know, in my experience, it's, you know, people have, have been really great and behaved.
1: Um. So we're coming to the end of the podcast now, and I'll stick with you, Alison, if I may. But so I just want to ask each of our panellists, I mean, what is your vision for the future? What what sort of arrangements do you hope that will come about as a result of all of this? What, what is your ideal new system?
2: I think my ideal system is sort of goes back to the, the what we've all said, really, is let, let's get the best of both worlds. Why would we leave and lose everything that we've had the benefits of? And for me, we've got to really hang on to that. And, you know, without repeating myself, we've talked about so many benefits. So I think we've got to have choice. We need choice and we need to then make the best of all of these worlds work for us, remote, hybrid and face to face. And let's face it, what we're trying to do actually is really broaden the inclusivity of those who may wish to be a counsellor and actually encourage a more diverse membership for people to step forward forward. They're really important roles in society and in our communities. And having this approach and having this ability to do remote meetings, hybrid and face-to-face, will actually achieve it. And that's what we want. That's what we all want. So that would be my sort of final final few words on this, Nick.
1: And can I ask the same question to you, Matt? And so maybe you can dwell a bit more on this issue of inclusivity as well and how how any new setup can help bring that about.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think... As 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 we've said from as Jackie said as Alison said like I think choices is absolutely the most important word in all of this I mean I I think that also the opportunity it feels to me and and to, in part to answer that point about inclusivity is that I think in response to the pandemic we started using these tools very quickly we've had to kind of put in place a response that allows us to continue to 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 kind of do. kind of meetings that we used to have i think there's a real opportunity i hope now emerging and and it sounds like the government might be starting to listen as well to that but to design something which is really 21st century that doesn't kind of look backwards um and like i think we haven't none of the approach i guess around this has been properly designed and and i think it needs that it needs it from the you know we were talking about facilitation and protocols and i think we've learned a lot over the last you know year and a bit now but i think if we're really going to do this properly and we're going to build on some of the gains that we've seen, you know, like I was saying earlier, like some of those more engaging meetings around South Oxfordshire's local plan, like Watchborough, over if we're going to like really do that at this scale, I think we've got an opportunity to to now think about what's worked, what hasn't worked and to kind of take some of those things forward and apply them to the, the kind of right kinds of meeting. I think in relation to the kind of diversity uh, point in particular, I definitely want to see Council is continuing to experiment with new types of technology Uh, but I think that means also being really conscious as I talked about earlier about some of those communities that we might not be you know reaching like you know uh, disabled communities potentially physically impaired and and thinking about how we can how we can create more opportunities using digital tools to engage those kind of uh, those kind of individuals as well through things like uh, yeah sign language on videos and making that uh, making that standard for example.
1: And Jackie, can I ask you, do you have a vision for how all this might work in the future?
4: I
3: guess one of the things that I feel very strongly about is that I think everybody has a role to play in local democracy, not just our clerks and our councillors and the support team, etc. I think we all have an important role to play. And part of that is about bearing witness. And I think what we've been able to do with the virtual meetings is we've been in, we've been able to get more people to see what our see inside our local councils and if nothing else I can't see why we should lose that I think it's very important that the community is able to see democracy in action and I'm not aware of hearing anybody say why it's not a good idea to continue with with virtual meetings I don't just mean this afternoon Um, But I mean, nobody has made an argument that says that they're a really bad thing. All I ever hear is that, that there hasn't been enough time for the legislation for it. Well, if you want something, you can always make time for it. So I think we need to show the government that we want this, and they need to make time for it.
1: Brilliant. Well, I want to say thank you to all of our panelists. Thank you, Alison, Jackie, and Matt. I'm really grateful for your participation. I've really, really enjoyed. Our conversation today. Speaking of making time for things, we'll be back with another podcast next month. So please carry on listening. But thank you to all of our panelists and to FutureGov for your support for this. But for now, goodbye. Thanks
0: from everyone at LGC and FutureGov to Jackie Weaver for appearing on our first podcast. If you liked what you heard, then you can listen to Jackie's very own podcast, which is available right now on all platforms. Just search for Jackie Weaver has the authority. LGC is the leading title for senior local government officers and the authoritative voice of the sector. To subscribe to LGC for full online and print access, go to lgcplus.com. FutureGov is a change agency on a mission to build 21st century public sector institutions, which are catalysts for change in the internet and climate era to radically improve outcomes for communities. For more information, go to wearefuturegov.com. We'll be back next month with another episode of The Local
4: Authority. Thanks for listening.